wondrous love is this, O my soul, O my soul. What wondrous love is this, O my soul? What wondrous love is this that calls the Lord of bliss to hear the dreadful curse of my soul for my soul? to hear the dreadful curse for my soul. When I was sinking down, sinking down, sinking down, when I was sinking down, sinking down, when I was sinking down beneath God's righteous frown, Christ laid aside his crown for my soul, for my soul. Christ laid aside his crown for my soul. To God and to the Lamb I will sing, I will sing. To God and to the Lamb I will sing. To God and to the Lamb, who is the great I am. While millions join the theme, I will sing, I will sing. While millions join the theme, I will sing. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, I'll sing on. And when from death I'm free, sing and joyful be, and through eternity I sing on, I'll sing on, and through Thank you, sir. I get to talk about that wondrous love today, and it's, it's uh, interesting. I'm probably not the only one that thought Cat Stevens wrote Morning Has Broken. Did anybody else think, what's that doing in the hill? Okay, thank you. It makes me feel better. I didn't know about what I thought about that. 
Um, I, I don't think I'd ever done that. In, I've been in church all my life, and I don't think I've ever done that in the hymn book. Didn't even know it was there. Maybe I should pay more attention. You ever had to wait on someone? Silly question, isn't it? You might have done that today. Of course you have. Maybe even this morning. Occasionally, I will wait on Jeannie, my bride. She will be in the house, and I will be in the car. Time seems to stand still when you are waiting. Seconds turn into minutes, minutes turn into hours, and it just can be excruciating. It can be difficult. I was going to have trouble with that. (laughs) Sometimes while I wait, I honk the horn for my beloved. Just a little tap, just a little tap that I give to encourage her. To me, honk, honk means I love you, I love you, I love you. I can't wait for us to be together again. That's what I'm trying to portray when I do that. And Jeannie really likes it. She really likes it when I do that. Honking is therapeutic, isn't it? Honking is therapeutic. Christians have horns so they don't express words they shouldn't use. That's why we have them. So while I wait, on occasion, I honk. Have you ever waited on someone to change, to grow up, to mature, to come around, to wake up? We use all sorts of phrases about that, but we've all done that too. And some never seem to. You ever given up on someone? Or wanted to? Today we're going to look at an Old Testament story that challenges me to remind me that I cannot give up. And then it gets to the point where I cannot give up on anyone. On anyone. Before we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word as you inspired it to be written, inspired us, inspire us as we hear it and process it. Thank you for stories that are so relevant today. Thank you that we're all in the same boat and we can all recognize our failures and your plan that makes us better. So Father, today make us better. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Second Chronicles chapter 33 is where we begin with a king named Manasseh. And look what it says. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign. So fifth, sixth grade, and he's now the king. He reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. So from 12 to 67. Verse two says, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. So he's just as bad as their enemies and he's adopted the ways of the evil people and he's evil. So Hezekiah, the king of Judah, is dead. And his son Manasseh is king at the ripe old age of 12. 
His father was a good king, and we are told clearly Manasseh was not. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 2 also tells us he followed the abominable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people. We don't use the word abominable very often, do we? It means detestable, despicable, loathsome, disgusting, revolting, repulsive, vile, wretched, heinous, atrocious, horrid, evil. You get the picture, and that's Manasseh. That's who he is. So you think, well, what did he do that was so bad? Verses 3 and 4 and 5. He rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had pulled down and erected altars to Baals, made sacred poles, worshipped all the host of heaven and served them. So he's getting rid of Yahweh God and he's bringing in the God of their enemies. Verse 4 says, he built altars in the house of the Lord of which the Lord had said in Jerusalem shall my name be forever and Manasseh is trying to wipe it out. Verse 5, he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two counts of the house of the Lord, in the two courts of the house of the Lord. I don't like Manasseh, do you? I don't like what he's done. I want God to act. I want God to get him, to zap him, to wipe him out. You ever wished you had that ability? I'm glad we don't. Because I'd have been zapped a long time ago myself. And so after verse 5, you know what God does to Manasseh? Nothing. God waits and waits and waits. And I have a picture of God honking just to get Manasseh's attention. Sending messages like God does to us in various ways. So Manasseh, as the story goes, is no longer 12 years old. He's fully grown and he's old enough to know better. And he's old enough to have children of his own. And look what he does to them. Verse 6. He made his son pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. He burned him. He sacrificed him to false gods. He practiced soothsaying and augury and sorcery and dealt with mediums and with wizards. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Well, there's hope for me at the end of verse 6. He's provoked God to anger now with killing his son, with going into witchery and turning a whole nation to forget God And I really want God to get him now. And I'm hoping in verse 7, he's just a greasy spot in the world. And God waits. And he waits. And he waits. We read more, learn more in verses 7, 8, and 9. The carved image of the idol that he made, he set in the house of God, of which God said to David and to his son Solomon, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I'll put my name forever. And Manasseh's trying to wipe it out. He's trying to change God's house into something far from it. Verse 8. I will never again remove the feet of Israel from the land that I appointed for your ancestors. If only they'll be careful to do all that I've commanded them 
and the law, the statutes, and the ordinances given through Moses. Well, that hadn't happened with Manasseh. Manasseh misled Judah, verse 9, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that they did more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the people of Israel. So they're worse than their enemies were now because of Manasseh. In verse 10, finally, God honks. He sends a message, and it says this. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they gave no heed. They didn't listen. We don't know what God did. We don't know if it was an occurrence that happened, a natural disaster, a sign in the sky, handwriting on the wall. We have no idea what it was, but they gave no heed. They didn't listen. The story of Manasseh is not only told in 2 Chronicles, it's also told in the book of 2 Kings. And I'm going to switch over to 2 Kings chapter 21 and tell you what we are told there from verses 10 to 13. The Lord said by his servant, the prophets, because King Manasseh of Judah has committed these abominations, has done things more wicked than all that the Amorites did who were before him, and has caused Judah also to sin with his idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I'm bringing upon Jerusalem and Judah such evil that the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. And I read it and I think, there you go. It's about time. I will stretch, verse 13, over Jerusalem, the measuring line for Samaria and the plummet for the house of Ahab. I'll wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. So now Manasseh's going to get his. Back to 2 Chronicles. In verse 11, God does something. He sends the Assyrian army to invade Judah, and Manasseh is captured. Therefore, 2 Chronicles 33, 11, the Lord brought against them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria who took Manasseh captive in manacles, bound him with fetters, and brought him to Babylon. And I'm a happy reader at this point in the story. I think it's about time he's where he belongs. I can't believe he's gotten away with it as long as he has. And while he's in captivity, look what Manasseh does. Verse 12. While he is in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. Now that takes a lot of nerve, don't you think? Manasseh is praying. This no good, child-killing, idol-worshiping, deceiving, miserable. Before I tell you what I really think of him, look at verse 13. It's unbelievable. He prayed to him. God received his entreaty, heard his plea, and restored him again to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord indeed was God. I'm not making this up. It's in the book. 
And so as I see this occurring, and I think, I can't believe God let this happen, God begins to talk to me going, hey, Shivers, I've done the same thing for you. This is just exactly like the prodigal son going home to his father. This is exactly like the story that I love of the thief on the cross turning to Jesus. It's like Zacchaeus being called down from the tree. And maybe the reason I have such trouble with Manasseh is that his sins are just really spelled out and I don't like him. But God looks at Manasseh during that prayer and honks back at him. I've been waiting. Isn't that awesome? Because he's done the same with me and you too. In the fifth chapter of Matthew, we're going to try to apply this now. Verse 41. Jesus said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two. The extra mile. Telling us how we ought to treat people. Not just people we like, but all people. If somebody's forcing you to do that, have a great attitude and do extra. That's another sermon, Matthew 5, 41. But I show you that verse because that's what God has done with us, isn't it? He has gone the extra mile. I turned 59 years old this week. And I'm wondering when God should have given up on me. Sometimes in the 70s, I think. Probably sometimes in the 70s. He probably should have, but he didn't. And he went with me through the 80s and the 90s. and Here we are, and he's still with me. He's had to honk at me at some times, remind me that, hey, I'm waiting, and you need to straighten up. But he never left without me, ever. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 encourage us with this. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. He has, hasn't he? Not just Manasseh. Not just the names we can mention from Scripture, but us. And he's gone the extra mile. And so therefore, I'm going to go to the extra mile. I told you I quit watching television and so I don't get near as angry with the news anymore because I don't watch it. But I do get online and read some stories. And in those stories, I decide who I can like and who I can't and the ones I want God to bless and the ones I want him to wipe out. You know the ones I'm talking about, don't you? And God wants me to go the extra mile with them and with anyone and with everyone. 
That's difficult, isn't it? I have been too, and he's gone with me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so for your love that puts up with us, that waits on us to grow and to mature and to become Christ-like. Father, help us to be so staggered by your patience and your love and your waiting that we will do that too. Father, thank you for the love that you example for us and thank you for the love that we can show to this world that truly needs it. And when they see that love, let them run to Christ. Father, thank you. Thank you for bearing with us, for forgiving us, for being such a great example. Help us to be those examples too. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week as you go the extra mile.